This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by This Is Not Church podcast and the letter F. And you. <laughs> if you've made it this far, my name is Nat Turney, my brother John Turney, and I co-host This Is Not Church, the podcast. And this is sadly the level of discourse that you can expect to find if you tune in every Monday when we drop new episodes. But all joking aside, John and I see this as, a, as an opportunity for us to address issues that we don't think are addressed nearly enough inside of evangelicalism. So LGBTQIA plus issues, BIPOC issues, social justice issues. We like to talk to a broad variety and range of people and really try to find places of commonality for everybody. So check out the podcast. Every Monday, our episodes drop. Wherever you stream podcasts, you can find us. Remember, this is not church. And to that, John says, peace. Hey, heathens, you're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lola. And I'm Lacey. And this shit is barbaric. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Ooh, that's a good word. I know. That's a good, it's like a good word, but not for the case that we're no. covering today. Today's case is heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, we're so excited that you're here with us for another episode. And I know last week we had a guest. We also have another guest this week, and I'm so excited to introduce to you Jessica Lahore. She came on the podcast today. Um, if you do not know her, she is a uh, drag queen, and they do so many performances, and they're amazing. And they have um, an Instagram, and we're going to tag it below so you can follow them. But Jessica, thank you for coming on the show and being here today. I'm so stoked. I really am. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So if you don't, if you follow me on Instagram, this is how I met Jessica, is Jessica does this series called Ask a Drag Queen a Question, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, ask a queen anything, ask a question. Yeah, ask a question. And so um, these people will come up and it's, she does it on the streets and people ask her questions and stuff. And this one girl had asked her a question. And I think the girl had asked you about the lipstick color you were using, if I'm remembering <laughs> correctly. And then at the end of the series, she asked if she could pray for you. And she's praying for her. And I'm like yes. cringing the whole time. Same. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the prayer was just so sweet and genuine and just like, asking for safety for you as you're, you know, on the streets doing this series. And I was like, whoa, breath of fresh air that like was not expecting that. And so I did a like duet of that video. Everybody loved it. It was a phenomenal. And that is how I met Jessica. We got tagged up and... I know, I slid into your DMs and said, hey. <laughs> you, so. said, you said, hey, and nah. I was like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I've been obsessed with watching all of the uh, the questions that are asked because honestly, I a lot of them are questions that I've thought of in the past too. That mm -hmm. I just, it's, I don't know. Sometimes it feels uncomfortable to ask the question because you don't want to be. I'm a spot you. And <laughs> I want you, but I feel like I have nothing to ever speak of now. I have no knowledge of words. What is it get in front of the camera? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have to say, I just earlier today watched the one, I think you posted it yesterday or earlier today, uh, where the, <laughs> the lady was like, tell me about Tuck. And oh, I, yes, that one. 
Yeah, she punished me uh, a lesbian woman at my bingo. And I jokingly was like, hey, come ask me. So I'm going to ask you about the tuck. I was like, come find out your answer. So I brought her over. And she's like, I really don't know if I needed to know all of that. It was... Oh my God. <laughs> okay, but in all seriousness, I did not know that tucking was more than... Like, I just had this envision of just like... And it's gone. No, I did and too. So much more involved. You only snap the fingers and it just does what it needs to do. <laughs> but everyone's so different. And those those three methods aren't even the vast majority of what other people can do. Oh them, so. my gosh. It's like a magic trick. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. It's, Innovation excites. It's amazing. I love that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so we're going to present a case today. Lola's actually presenting for us today. And we're going to go over, of course, an LGBTQ-centered story, true crime case. Jessica, please, as we're telling this story in this case, jump in. We want to hear your perspective of um, like when you found out about this case or uh, just anything, anything. So feel free to jump in at any time as she's going through this case. After we get done, um, we're going to have just some questions for Jessica, just have a little shit chat. And and of course, we are going to leave all of their links in the description box below um, in the in the show notes, just so you guys know where to, to follow them at. And if you're local to them, go see one of their shows and, and bring your dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yes. You got you to you tip those drag queens, okay? This is, <laughs> get your coin, I, get your coin. <laughs> I have no makeup on right now because it's been Halloween, of course, and I went as Beetlejuice. And so three times over the last week, I had to dress up and put makeup on. And I put makeup on regularly, but I did like thick makeup. And it's still a fraction of what you have on right now. And my face is like, don't you dare put one more damn thing on me right now. Like, give me a... <laughs> Was it raw? Completely raw makeup? It's not... It's not completely raw, but like, I think my eyes got irritated because I got something in one of them um, when I was taking it off and it like, it took a day for it to come out. And so my, I get rubbing my eyes afterwards. And so I think my, my eyes were just like, no, ma'am. Puts- it's November 1st, time to take it easy. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. We're shifting into sweatpants mode, you know? Yes. Comfy mode. Oh yeah. For sure. Comfy. All, all the coziness <laughs> for okay. sure. All right, Lola. Are we ready for story time? We are ready for story time. I I fucking cried today finishing my notes on this. Yeah, yeah this is a sad one. So we're talking about Matthew Shepard, which I didn't know anything about until like two months ago. Really? I'm not joking. Which is... You didn't. This is... I feel like it's common knowledge. So just ignore me and my smooth brain. I'm a smooth brain girl today. No, I feel like I'm not super late in life as well. I think that was later in my queerness as well. Like I still am learning things that I should probably know as a queer human or just as somebody in the community. And so I, I wouldn't take it to fall. You're learning it now. But. Yeah. How old are you, Jessica, if you don't mind me asking? I just turned 30. Okay. So you're similar to me. I'm 33. Just, uh, Lola's our baby. She's <laughs> 25. Or are you 26? Yeah, I'm 25. 25. Okay. Yeah. Still in the 90s yeah. though, right? Yeah. I was... I was born in 1990, and so we're all 90s babies. And so there was so much that happened prior to us even being born, and especially throughout the 90s that was just, we weren't aware of. We were still, you know, adolescents and stuff. And so there's a lot of this we just didn't know. We didn't grow up in it. See, that's where I blame it on. Like, all the history or, like, a lot of major plot points in history for the queer community happened in 70, 80, 90. And like, mm-hmm. I was born in 97, so I I was, I didn't know anything. 
Um, yeah. And also your household, how you were raised, like queer topics were not no. brought up mm-hmm. in my growing up whatsoever. Not even like the idea of kissing another boy was brought up in my household. Yeah. So of course these things weren't taught to me or clearly labeled as uh, big highlights or things to be aware of. Or right. Any, not even in school, not even in teaching. No, so. absolutely not. Where did you grow up? Grew up in the Midwest, uh, suburbs okay. of Chicago, then moved out to Colorado, went for eighth grade and stayed for college. Okay. And it, what, did you grow up in a religious household? Yeah, pretty strict Catholic. I wouldn't say like, okay. me, like I've met some really like mega strict Catholic families. Mine was more like you uh, obey these rules and this is when you go to church and the thing, this is, you know, you go to classes to get confirmed. So we went through the steps, but still was not. Radical, yeah, or extreme. Gotcha. But still, same kind of homophobic beliefs and and doctrine. I remember my my family even like saying queer at somebody on the TV and not registering that 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 was not an okay thing. Like laughing with it because as a kid, I'm like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, they're they're queer and not getting the two. Oh, gosh. But I remember like that or even from my uncles or things growing up that I didn't catch until later in life. Right. I am going to, I'm sorry, Lola, I know no, you want to no, get no. started, but I want to ask if you don't mind sharing, how is your relationship with your family now that you are, I'm assuming out and in and, yeah. and, and drag and stuff? I, I can't see it. <laughs> I can't see that coming out story being all that comfortable. No, I, I, when I came out, uh, it's been about uh, a little bit close to five years oh, that wow. I haven't or spoken to my dad. My dad was very much uh, no. uh, retracted all communication. And it's it's very much a not a feel bad thing. There's two adults here in the situation. I'm not choosing not to have a relationship. I can't go all the way though. Yeah. Uh, my mother has been, uh, we've met once and spoken once in four years. Oh my gosh. But my sisters are mega supportive. My extended family is is decently supportive as well. So I've got I a lot love of that. Yeah. I love it's that. Weird. That's it's good. 20 minutes from me. My parents live 20 minutes from me and I don't have, yeah, wow. that's it. I haven't broken. That is so crazy. Oh my gosh. I grew up religious, but like not necessarily from my immediate family. So like my mom, my dad, things like that. Like they had their beliefs, but it was never like super religious or anything. But it was like from the community because I grew up in the Bible Belt. So Lacey was the one to seek out a cult. The cult didn't find her. She found the cult. I did. I did. I found the cult and I like (laughs) full on joined. Oh yeah. We had a covenant that we had to sign. I wasn't allowed to date. We did dances. We wore military. Your degree was chosen for you. God's army. Oh my gosh. It's a whole different world. It was a whole, it was the whole shebang. My, my poor parents hated me being in it. (laughs) But when my brother's gay and when he came out at, when I was 16, my parents, my mom didn't have a great response. She still like socially was like, I, I did something wrong. Like I fucked him up. It was my parents thought. My dad's first thought was fear because we lived in the South in Texas. And he just begged my brother, don't come out till you graduate. Like, cause he was terrified that my brother was going to get killed. Yeah. 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 So that's uh, such a sad reality. It was. That was literally his only his only comment was don't come out till you're married till you're graduated. And, oh my god. And it was out of his fear and, and him still trying to grapple with understanding of it. Cause my dad's like, I mean, redneck is all redneck could be. But like over the years they've become very like open and like affirming. And when I came out and started deconstructing and walking away from religion, it was actually like a relief for my family. And they took, you know, took me, not took me in, but like 
it strengthened our relationship. Uh, my sister is yeah, pansexual. My other brother's wife's pansexual. I came out as bisexual in like January of 2021, 2022. You don't count. You're with a man. Remember, we don't count as bisexuals. We're with men. (laughs) We're with men. We're with our golden retrievers. The whole family's a little sprinkle of of, of a little bit of all the alphabet here. And and I I can't say uh, exactly who it is, but I have another person in my family who's trans. And so I literally, I think I have the entire alphabet mafia (laughs) in my entire family. (laughs) It's awesome. I love Uh. it though, but... Okay, without further ado, I'll quit interrupting. I could chat your ear off forever. Speaking of safety, though, you know, kind of circling <laughs> back to that with not I wanting someone to... It's important to go into those stories or into the case. Yeah, so. good segue. No, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Matthew Shepard. Yes. I just want to give some background on him first. So, he was the oldest of his siblings. He had He had two other siblings. Uh, he was born on December 1st, 1976. He was a preemie, a little baby. He was a oh very like, petite person. Yeah. Just e- even as a full-grown person, just very like Adult. small and petite and like like a little fairy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's so handsome too. Super handsome. He was so cute. I swear. I've seen pictures. The pictures that we'll post, I mean... I just, yeah, no. I was a photo for this. Very, very handsome. Yeah. yeah. If we would have been in a grade together, I'd have been like, I can turn you straight. So dig me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And like, so when he was a kid, he was just like super empathetic. He loved everybody. He loved church, firstly. He loved everybody. He didn't, he cared for like anyone that was being bullied or that was just in a tough situation. He was polite and respectful, just all the things that a good, decent human should be. I've worked a lot in Wyoming and there's a lot of queer, like, like religious people in Wyoming. Yeah, It's not very as uncommon to hear that in Wyoming. Yeah. And yes, he's from Wyoming. I was just about to say, he's from Wyoming. Grew up in the Catholic no, I lied. We were talking about Catholics earlier and it got me off track. Episc- Episcopalian? Episcopal? Yes, Episcopalian. He was an Episcopalian. He was part of the Episcopal Church. Yeah. Yes. So that's where he grew up, which I knew nothing about Episcopalian things till recently, but a lot of their beliefs are affirming. Yes. So that's nice. They officially <laughs> became affirming. Don't take my word for it, but I'm pretty sure it was like 1979. Their organization as a whole became LGBTQIA affirming and um, really like pushed like civil rights issues and things like that. So yeah, a lot of like universalist ideas. Yes. Which is great. I'm all here for it. (laughs) Yeah, same. Yeah. So he wanted to make the world a better place. He would like debate you on politics and on social structures, even as a young kid. But like... Oh my God, I love that. He would like fight you, be like, fuck you, agree with me. He just like, he kept an open conversation. He wanted to keep talking about the hard things and um, yeah. you know, just leave the world better than when he found it. So he saw everybody as an equal. Beautiful. I just love him. Love that. I'm very, I'm very upset after hearing this. And I know it was so long ago, like literally my whole lifetime ago, but Mm -hmm. it it makes me so sad. But we have to still continue, even though it was long ago, we still have to continue having this conversation and telling these stories because 
It's still happening. It's still <laughs> happening. And the media runs with this, you know, homophobia, transphobia shit like crazy. Mm-hmm. And it puts people in danger and people are dying and things are continuing to happen with hate crimes. So it's like, even though this was so long ago, we still have to, unfortunately, continue having this conversation. It's mm-hmm. gotten worse in yeah. the last couple of years. I feel like there was a, a, maybe a lull of, of emphasis on queer people. It was mm-hmm. not as prominent of a conversation unless somebody happened to be gay and they were running for a position. And now it's any, it's a little bit more heated. Anyone that's trans, anyone that's queer, anyone that is mm-hmm. too, dressed different, any, you know, just... It's, uh, anyone wearing a rainbow flag, even if they're an ally, it's very, it's getting, it's violent. Yeah. It just, the same ways. It's like Trump came into office and he like, it, like his bigotry was so prominent that it just like gave everybody else permission to let their just bigotry fly out of their mouth no matter where they were at. And yeah, hate just, crimes against it, the community, the queer community actually spiked after 2016. So yeah, like, they're not you were right about the lull, Jessica, happening. Mm-hmm. Um, in like the 2010s. Okay, really. Mm-hmm. And so it, they made it okay. Yeah, yeah. And then Titans murders of trans individuals is more. And it's it's just been a very rough couple of years if you think about it. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Matthew, uh, his parents said they suspected him as being queer, but they just didn't say anything. That they said it was just small things in his childhood. I don't know. Nothing that was it, like too forward though. <laughs> no, they have inklings. It, it, they really is. Do they? Oh, oh I yeah. think they do. And a lot of them block out the inkling or they try to like correct it if they don't want it to happen. Uh, like how do you embrace the inkling? Is the inkling like, oh, I don't care. You tell me when you're ready. I think this is cute. I'm not going to judge you. Or is the inkling, I think he, this person might be queer. I better stop this now and get that mm-hmm. queer feet out of your brain. Like, where are we going with this? Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's not just parents. Like, even people within the community, within your school, they know. Like, my brother said he knew that he was gay from his earliest memory. And when he was in elementary, he was being made fun of for being gay. And he didn't come out until after he graduated. He came out to me when I was 16. So I think it was like his senior year, junior year, something like that. He came out to me and like, we all knew. Like and when I when I asked him, I was just like, oh, okay, you know, like I knew. I'm just waiting for you to finally tell me, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh well he came out to them when he was a teenager and they just kind of like shrugged it off. They're like, okay. We like we don't care. Whatever. We still yeah. love you. Which <laughs> thank God <laughs> we don't get that response yeah. too often. So I was like, <sighs> I mean, I know now yeah. that they have all these other projects going and they're affirming their allies. They're all for the support of LGBTQIA plus things. But somehow mm-hmm. when I was looking into this, I was like, oh my God, they're going to say, go away or something. And because that response is so common yeah. that that's what we just automatically assume is could possibly happen. His parents are such yeah. wholesome people. I just want to shake really their are. hands. Give them I want to hug, hug them. <laughs> um, I know folks that hate them and go to do the benefit regularly and say they're the most kind, kind people. That oh, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> 
I'm fine. Know. I'm not crying. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Heads up to everybody listening. We're recording at a much different time than we normally do, which we are all here for, and that's totally fine. Um, but like my kids are still up, so you might hear like stomping in the background. Um, I'm not going to put An it on our editor's scream. shoulders. Yeah, I'm not going to put it on our editor's shoulders to try to get that out. So like, you're just going to go down this road with us. Our dogs are still, you know, up and this going. Is so this is raw. Just join us for this wild ride <laughs> in this episode, okay? Raw dogging you. <laughs> What's wrong with me? We have changed course of conversation. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> so, on the same page as raw dogging, he studied, studied political science in college. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, uh, but he like he wanted to become a diplomat for the Department of State. I don't know what that means. Oh, I have no idea what neither. that means. It sounds very prominent and yeah. very important. So, like you could make a change. Yeah. Okay. Like That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. So he did super well in school, like high school and in college. He was just like well adjusted socially. He was overall happy person. Had healthy relationships, and in college he was involved with a, a group called the LGBTA group. And um, uh-huh. it's lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans. The A does... No, it stands for like the group Asexual? name. Like it's not... What, agency, maybe? Association. Yeah, association, that was it. Like, yes, like association. association. So, that group, association. So okay. on yeah, the yeah, campus. Yeah. The campus yeah. that he went to was uh, affirming to, they just like helped create a safer environment pretty much for any any kids on campus um, that identified as queer or part of this group. So you need to have a university during that time frame to 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 have something that is in that area in Wyoming. I think that's pretty impressive. I, I agree. On October sixth, he was actually with this group and they had just had one of their like meetings and they went out to eat together. They were just hanging out super chill. And then after the meeting, there was a a girl in the group. I don't know her name, but she was like, oh, I'll give you a ride home to Matthew. So, um, and I'm going to call him Matthew and Matt all through this. It's okay. Interchangeable. We'll roll with it. Because his parents said both. So now I have that in my notes. So anyway, so she took Matthew home, but then decided to change course. He was like, oh, actually, I kind of want to go to this lounge, the fireside lounge. So she dropped him off there. No big deal. Mm -hmm. But then 18 hours later, uh, someone that was riding a mountain bike crashed their bike and looked around them and saw on uh, on a rail spike fence thing that there was something that looks like a scarecrow, possibly. And it it's near Halloween, like it's in, in October. So it's like, makes sense. But, you know, we always say, like, if you think it's a mannequin, it's it's not a mannequin. You think it's, it's never something a fake. It's probably not. Take a it's closer look. A and this person thankfully did. And it was Matthew Shepard who had been left out there in the freezing cold without shoes. And he was mm. bloodied, like mutilated, bloodied. So... This person oh immediately gosh. was freaking out, saw that he was still breathing, but it was like very labored breathing. And he ran to a nearby yeah. house and had someone to call 911. And at this point, Matt was already in comatose state. Oh my gosh. 
And did you say he was tied to the fence? Yeah, he was tied. He's tied to the fence. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. And I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure from what I remember, the fence is one of those like old school, like think of like a cattle guard. I'm going to talk type about fence. it. Oh, you're going to talk about it? Okay. 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 I'm jumping ahead. I'm so sorry. See, this is why it's better when I don't know the case <laughs> because then I don't interrupt Lola very much. <laughs> so, policewoman Reggie Flutie was the first on the scene. Love the last name. I hope I said it right. But I love it. Yeah. So, uh, she recalled that. After they had cut him down, finally, uh, Matt was mm-hmm. on his back and his arms were behind him still and his respirations were were still super labored. And she said, I thought he was like 17, 15, 17 because he was so small. Yeah. She attempted to open his mouth to clear his airway, but it was like clamped shut. I don't know medically oh why this, I, it's got to do with the coma probably, but she literally couldn't like unlock it. Or the way he was, he was attacked, that could be. That's true. Yeah. The attack, the cold, said, like coma, all these things were probably the reason why. Combination. And if like it was, if he like, because he was attacked so brutally that all of that swelling that had oh, set yeah. in over those hours. That's true. You know, it could have just locked something shut. For um, sure. So, yeah. For sure, yeah. So, she said that she had told him, baby boy, I'm here, kiddo. You're going to be okay. Hang in there. Don't give up. Come on, you can do this. Tears. That's when I started fucking <laughs> I crying know. in my notes because... I remember, I remember that quote. Uh, oh. Um... The manner of his killing was uh, compared to, like, his injuries were that of, like, a, a brutal car accident kind of thing. Um, I mean, it was oh bad. Uh, the New York Times actually likened this whole, uh, him being tied to that fence as a Western custom of nailing a dead coyote to a fence to ward off intruders. That's disgusting. Apparently, that's like a common thing to do. In and you're in cowboy country, uh, where they're at, you know, Wyoming. So, oh my gosh, it's called a buck fence. The and we'll have a picture of it so you can see it. It's like it's an angled fence that has like spiked kind of wood on both sides. So, uh, it's it's weird, and I've never seen it before. I assume it's just no mostly in. They're common, yeah, they're common out Cowboy country. Especially in like Wyoming. Yeah, real deep cowboy country and stuff like that. I I think they're mostly to like keep cattle in and something. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. We had electric fences is how they kept the cows in where I was. That's all that I've ever noticed the electric ones. But that fence where he was bound and uh, killed is gone. So if you want to try to see the site, it's going to be hard to find. So the police had a really hard time trying to cut him free because his wrists were tied super tightly with clothesline, which (gasps) if you know clothesline, it's super thin material. So it cuts skin. Like the thinner the material, the more likely it is to cut off circulation and cut into the skin versus like a thick rope. So they were trying to like... shove a knife up in between it and they were having a hard time like not hurting him further pretty much oh my god um, eventually they they did That's get insane. it off of him 
He was um, bound like at his feet, his hands were behind him, and then his chest was tied up too. Um, and his head was just kind of limp. Uh, some people had reported that he was in the crucifixion stance. That was not true, though. His mom okay. uh, rectified that statement and said that was just like publicity um, stunt. People trying to, it's like clickbait pretty much, but that never happened, which is so gross. Why would you? Yeah, it is. Try to make it worse than what it was, but. Exactly. It's worse enough. He was soaked Oh my God, I'm not going to cry. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm I'm doing the uncomfortable, like, I'm not going to cry. I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, Bailey Sarian vibes. So he was like soaked in his own blood, um, except for one streak down his face on his cheek where a tear had run downward. <sighs> he was mutilated. He was unrecognizable. Oh my like, gosh. The only way his parents could identify him when they first saw him was he had braces at the time and part of his like lip had exposed that. And then one of his eyes was open too, like slightly open. And they saw his like coloring of his eyes and they were like, that's, that's our boy. I, they, uh, they had to see him in that state. I can't as a, not be able to unsee uh-uh. that ever. Yeah, you can't. You absolutely cannot unsee that. And like as a mother, I cannot imagine having to see one of my children in that state and then never never getting that image out of my head. For sure. Yeah. I, I hate that they had to see him like that, but I am glad that they were able to see him before he passed and he did hold on. So um, his parents were living in Saudi Arabia at the time, which is a 33-hour flight. Uh, to oh, get yeah. from there to there. And yeah, yeah. but they flew wow. like, right there yeah. as soon as they got the call. They said they received the call around 5 a.m. their time that Matt was in the hospital in Laramie and they were told to come immediately and they weren't given any details. 33 hours of just... Exactly. Saying, I know nothing about what is happening to my child other than that it is life-threatening and I need to go. 33 hours dealing with that, not to mention the other people that you're trying to deal with and try to keep sanity of any kind. Absolutely. And not only that, you're sitting there and you're like on a plane. There's no communication. This is the late 90s. There's no communication on the planes. And so like, I would be sitting there like, okay, did something happen further? Is it getting worse? I don't know. Nobody can contact me. And 33 hours, like the furthest flight that I've ever done was to um, Australia. New Zealand. I went from how long was that? California to New Zealand, and that was I can't remember. It was like eighteen hours, okay. twenty hours. I can't remember. It was so wow. long ago. It was over. It was like thirteen years ago. So it was a long time ago. But like that was exhausting enough. So like thirty three, all while my child is in the hospital and I don't know what's going on. Oh my god! Just take <laughs> me out now. I yeah. They uh, thought it was a car crash from like the way that people were speaking to them on the phone before they got on their plane and everything. I mean, yeah, how much can you give them also without... Yeah. Like, this balance of like, okay, well, I need to get you here immediately. And also, I don't... How do I tell you what happened to your kid right now? See, and I had wondered why they weren't upfront with them, but it makes sense where it's like, they probably... I don't know what's worse, like the anticipation of not knowing the knowledge that you need to know or knowing how severe it is and that he's barely hanging on. Honestly... I think they did it 
smart. That was a smart way that they did it because if they would have said, we found your son tied to a fence and brutally beaten, my mind would have went through for the 30 hours. What did my child go through? How did this start? Why was he attacked? It would have gone down this major rabbit hole. Yeah. And then in the other side, you're just worrying, oh, how bad is it? He was in an accident. There's not that hate-filled you know, aspect probably coming into her head. Maybe it could have, who knows? But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, he had to be, so during their flight, he had to be sent to a different hospital that had more research, resources because this one didn't have all the uh, things to to treat the the types of injuries that he had. So he was taken to a different hospital in Denver, Colorado. So his parents arrived in Denver, Colorado and were immediately swarmed with press. Can you imagine? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, everyone's in their face saying, like, how do you feel I, about what happened to Matt? How do you feel? How do you feel? And it's like, what? The press knows more about the situation than you do. Yeah. Yeah. You're the last one to find out kind of thing as a parent. Yeah. yeah that, it's got to be hurtful. I, it, I swear, this is, I'm going to say it again like I always do. I wish I believed in hell because there would be a special place in hell for these motherfuckers, for the press. These little paparazzi, publicity, press shit. They get, a, they get their own division because that's just somebody in that state finding out something about their child and you're shoving a mic in their face telling them to speak. Like, you son of a bitch. Like, yeah. I, I feel that if I had been there, I would have been violent with the press. Yeah, I, they'd have caught these hands. <laughs> yeah. God damn. For sure. <laughs> so anyway, that everyone knew what happened, but them, so they finally get in there and the physicians that are attending finally say what happened or what they know of his injuries. You know, they were able to identify him, like I said, because of the races and um, his yeah. eye coloring and um, I think a birthmark. And... She said that he was just so swollen and bruised and his fingers were curled up in that comatose state. And uh, the physicians <sighs> told them, you know, he probably is not going to wake up, but if he does, he's not going to be uh, the mad that you knew at all. So they're kind of just in this weird, I don't want to say limbo because they didn't really have a choice either way, but they're just in this weird, confused, sorrowful, angry state, you know? He had suffered 18 to 21 blows to the head, and he had four skull fractures. One of them had crushed his brainstem. <gasps> How is he still alive? He was, he was hanging on with one breath. Yeah. That was what he was... That's it. I really feel like he hung on just for his parents to see him. You know, because like... And I, he, I, I don't know what comatose state all entails, but I know they say sometimes they can still hear you. So possibly that was it. But and I've heard so many stories of people like on like on their deathbed and they hold on for so long until that one person gets there or until that one family member tells them, we will be okay. Yeah. Pass on. And then they're like, it's like they sink into it and then before you know it, they've passed on. So it's like I would believe that. I feel like Matt did that. I mean, he loved his parents. He loved his family. And I think he knew that this was going to wreck them, you know, like completely devastate everyone around him. So I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but I'll come back to Matt and his injuries and everything. So a few days after 
this whole incident with Matthew, um, a report came in about two men that were fighting beside a truck and police were called to just check in. And those two were Russell Henderson and Aaron McKinney. Stupid names. The worst names. They're just just stupid names. The worst. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the truck used to belong to Aaron's father and was given to him. There was a coat in the back of the truck with blood in it. So, like, the officers were just kind of, like, peering into the truck. They didn't go into it. Uh And a pair of black shoes. These shoes were Matthew's. The ones that they stole off of him. They stole his shoes. They stole his shoes off his feet. Mm -hmm. Pathetic human beings. There was also a credit card on the dash from Hilltop National Bank with the name Matthew Shepard on it. These are some fucking idiots. When they saw that, and like the media is swarming about a Matthew Shepard that's in hospital currently, they called in and were like, hey, we got to search this person's vehicle right now. Yeah. Smart, smart police work here. So they did find a gun, and it was the one that was used to strike Matt. So it was a Smith & Wesson three fifty seven Magnum covered in hair and blood on the butt of the gun. So they had pistol whip. Oh, my gosh. They pistol, pistol, pistol whip. And if you you don't know what pistol whipping is, you can go watch Goodfellas, and they have a scene for what pistol whipping is. So. Oh, my God. It's the worst. These Guys, were literally so stupid. Like, I'm glad they were stupid. Me too. <laughs> and didn't get rid of any of the evidence, but like, Jesus Christ, guys. Good job being dumb. All the details came together, though, you know, with all that they found uh, the rest of like Matt's wallet and everything. Mm-hmm. And then they sent off all of the evidence for uh, testing and it was confirmed that it was his blood and his hair. So they were the main suspects. They were arrested. Henderson remained silent, and McKinney immediately asked for an attorney. All right. October 6th, backing back up to the night that this all happened, once Matthew was dropped off at the Fireside Lounge, a bartender came forward and told police that he saw Matthew with two males who were identified as both McKinney and Henderson, that they were, like, talking, and they got drinks and stuff, and they all left together. So they weren't actually arrested Henderson and McKinney weren't actually arrested right as they found all that evidence on them. If you can believe it, they were arrested a little bit later. I don't know why this was. That makes sense. That doesn't make sense because they had Matthew Shepard's car, like credit cards. Like, so that is physical evidence. Like blood. Yeah, confirmed evidence. At least like the blood and the hair, like that takes DNA, that takes testing, that takes time. But (laughs) you would have enough to arrest him. And 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 charge him with like something. Like I know we're not cops, but like I'm sorry. They I feel like they could have. See, and I don't know what the like process was back in the day, but I feel mm-hmm. like it, it should be similar to what it is now. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a police officer, but First, Henderson was arrested at, like, his residence. And then McKinney, he actually couldn't be arrested that same day because he was in hospital due to injuries because he had been out fighting and he was being treated for injuries. Oh, wow. The car you said that the cops searched, whose was that car? It was... Uh, it belonged to McKinney's father, so Aaron McKinney's father. So it was 
Okay. That's oh. why they couldn't arrest him because it was oh. not in one of their vehicles. Mm. It was in the father's vehicle. So they couldn't arrest them because then they had to do the trace of like who actually okay. had these items. Where did they come from? It makes from? sense. Okay. It makes yeah, sense. I'm, I'm okay. tracking now. So October yeah. 8, two days after Fireside Lounge incident, both of their girlfriends are interviewed. So McKinney and Henderson's girlfriends are interviewed um, and they provide shaky alibis. They both say, oh, they were home all night with us. <laughs> That's a new one. So on the same smart pattern of evidence and any kind of information, they're still on the same good trek of just giving themselves up. So yes, exactly. That's like the same. Like I hear that alibi so many times. It's the same. Like uh, I was just supposed to to the dog dog ate my my homework. homework. Okay, (laughs) get creative. Innovation site. So the. Girlfriends were arrested for accessory after the fact and potential murder. And they said, hey, we're actually going to like have you tried and convicted of the murder charge if you don't say something, like speak up. And so the girls cracked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank God. Right? I would they too. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> One of them said that McKinney came home covered in blood and said that he killed somebody. Uh, I know. It's, I know. Flat out. And so so you just stayed? I wonder if it was fear. I, uh, I wonder how violent, like, uh, if, if they're going out fighting and stuff, it could have been like a domestic violence situation where she just was like, if I say anything, I'm going to be dead next. Yeah. And that is the only way that I could understand the situation. But if it was, there was no violence, excuse me, from his part to her, and then like, I'm sorry, you coming home covered in blood and telling me you killed somebody? I'm out. Okay, oh, do it already in 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Uh-uh. No. no, like, what kind of response? Yes, get out. Right, yeah. That's true. You don't know if it was a domestic violence. I, I can only assume. That's the only way I could I could understand it. If they're this violent, then it's not much of a stretch to, to assume that it most likely was probably violent in their relationship. Even if you weren't in a domestic violence situation from the get-go, imagine your significant other coming home covered in blood saying, I think I just killed somebody. Uh I think you'd be inclined to believe that like they may be in a state where they would hurt you even if they haven't hurt you before. Uh So, And especially for women that are like, if if your significant other is a man, you statistically like you could be more on edge, you know? For so, sure. I could, I could see that. Henderson's tennis shoes were hid in a storage unit and they were also covered in blood. The, one of the other girlfriends knew about that. And she just said, I think, I think they're in the storage unit. They were. They also confessed that Matt's wallet, so I said they found like his wallet. They didn't find it in the truck. They found it at a later time. She said, specifically, <sighs> Specifically, that it's in a Walmart bag inside of a used diaper. Oh, my God. What? The anger. <laughs> the can, the what? Can you imagine being the cop that's like, what the fuck? You gonna make me open a goddamn diaper because that's where you decided to hide it? Like, I was about to say, was it poopy what? or was it pee? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it was just pee. But you're saying they hid it, right? Yeah, they had hid it like in one okay. of their apartments. They are seriously so fucking stupid. Why are you holding on to all of this evidence? I have a feeling that like brain cells to rub together. I think that um, 
maybe like in the whole kerfuffle debacle that was happening, they like, because they took his wallet from him. I'll get into that in a Mm -hmm. minute. I think that he may have shoved it in his pants and then like began the whole violence thing and didn't Mm. think about the wallet until he got home. And then he's like, oh, shit. And she's like, I'll just... I'll just put it over here in a diaper. <laughs> Why are you British? What's happening? I don't know. <laughs> but also, his credit cards, so they're also using it. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. They really thought very little of Matthew. None of this <laughs> was thought through, and they thought little of him. Exactly. Yeah. Disgusting. Agreed. The men ended up being charged with attempted first-degree murder. And the girlfriends were charged with just accessory after the fact. And Matthew's friends, unfortunately, you know, that LGBTQ group he was part of, they were all bombarded by media, also asking, how do you feel? How do you feel? How do you think I feel, bitch? Right, I was just about to say the same thing. My friend's dead. What are you expecting me to say? I feel like sunshine and rainbows. Like, what the hell? So, let me... I'm going like in a weird order with this, but I promise it makes sense. So there's footage of Aaron McKinney walking into the courtroom and he is smirking. He is proud of what he's done. Oh my God. I'm It just, the balls on this guy. I just can't. So he said that he and Henderson went into Fireside Lounge um, and targeted Matthew. Mm. So they were there for a specific Specifically, purpose. yeah. Was Fireside, was it a gay, yes. a gay lounge? Okay. Yeah. Or was it just like LGBTQ? We had, had to pose as being queer in some way. Okay. It's more, okay. yeah, it's more queer leaning. Anybody's welcome. Yeah, okay. But like, it was a safe space for the most yes. part. Okay. So they said that they went into the bathroom and they created the plan to pretend to be gay and they were going to lure Matthew into the truck. Um, and so they befriended him and said, you know, we're going to a party. Do you want to come with us? And he's had a great night. He's been out with friends. He's at this new lounge, made some friends. He's like, heck yeah, let's not let the fun stop. I agree, Matthew. This is not a bad plan. So he agreed and got in the truck with them. McKinney said that Matthew made a move on him, like put his hand on his thigh. Oh, no. And that's why they resulted to violence. This was not true. This did not happen in the slightest. uh, Yeah. Not at all. Matthew didn't do jack shit (laughs) at all. No. And even if he did, he didn't deserve to die. I just want to say that. Just... Oh, my gosh. I just, you know... You know how in like horror movies where like the girl is going to go, you know, around the corner or go up the stairs and you're like, no, don't do it. Like, because you know what's coming. It's like I envision Matthew getting in their truck and I'm just like, no, get out, get out, don't get in, don't get in. I know. (sighs) It's not your fault, Matthew. I understand. No, not at all. You just wanted some new friends. But these guys, okay, even if he even did. If he, even if he did put a pass on him, there yeah. should be, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're in a queer space, they obviously played a part to make him feel like they, they were, were too flirting boring. with him. They were like playing into it, right? Exactly. So yes. if he made a pass and he said, oh no, I'm sure Matthew would not have continued doing anything, but that's also a way to yes. see like, hey, are you interested in 
fooling around or something. Like, yeah, exactly. That's why I'm like, you, you can't sit there and pretend to be gay and, and lead this guy on, and then him put his hand on your thigh. And then be like, oh, hell no. Now you have to die. Like, but they decided that beforehand. They decided exactly. that he was going to die when they went into the bathroom. They preventatively yeah. played the part. Got Absolutely. Him in the truck. What were they going to do when they got him in the car? Just drive him around mm-hmm. or make fun of him or something? No, they planned to hurt him. Maybe it made it worse. Maybe they, they did more things because of it, but they planned on abusing him and hurting him anyway. Yeah. So the reason that they said that, is it, Lola, is it because like... um Premeditated murder has a, a higher, like, sentence, a longer sentence, and so yeah. So they were going for the gay panic defense, which like can hold up in a court of law even to this day, unfortunately. Unfortunately, um, not in every state, but like, eh, whatever. So yeah. they they were just trying to build onto a gay panic defense. So yeah. What really happened? is that they got Matthew into the truck with them. And then while they were driving, they were like already going to like a remote kind of area. And they told him, we aren't going to a party. Uh, You're jacked. Give us your money. And then they hit him across the face. And so he was like giving them, here's my wallet. It only had like 20 bucks in it. And then his card from the bank. And so they ended up stopping at that field where that fence was. They pistol whipped him over and over until like he like couldn't fight back and they tied him up to the fence tied his hands and everything and then they beat him specifically in the face which if I guess if anyone doesn't know this but like if you're being attacked in the face shot in the face it normally means that they're like attacking your soul like the hatred is so deep they hate exactly who you are fight of you yeah. Oh, I'd never heard that before, but that makes a lot of sense. You know, so um, like deeply loathe the essence of your spirit, who you are. Golly. So absolutely horrible. And they didn't know him. They oh, did no, not yeah. know him at all. So they, they are, he had never met them prior. Nothing. They have nothing to hate Mm-mm. besides the fact that he's, he's gay. A, so yeah. like. Exactly. Like, this was beyond a hate crime. If it wasn't him, they probably would have picked somebody else. They planned to hurt somebody in that bar, Mm -hmm. regardless. And he was probably alone. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that, like, maybe they targeted him right as he came in, you know? They were like, oh, that one's by Mm -hmm. himself. He doesn't really look like he knows anybody here. You know? he's small. And he's small and, so they, and easy. Mm-hmm. You were going to say something, Jessica. I think we interrupted you. No, I so yeah. I, I think okay. it was just like somebody planned. If, if it was not him, somebody was going to. And you're right. He was alone. He was smaller. And there's no excuse that you can think of that they were going to hurt somebody. I can't think of anything else that they would, would be planning to do. Yeah. And the fact that the other guy was like picked up for fighting two days later. Like it mm-hmm. was, this was just in their nature. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they were being held at a detention center and McKinney actually sent a letter over to Henderson. It never reached him because law enforcement intercepted it. Um, right. Where he was pretty much saying like, I'm responsible for everything and told Henderson, you need to pin this all on me because like, you're a good kid. I made you do, like I made you tie him up, but you didn't hit him. So this is all in the letter? It's all yes. in the letter. <laughs> They're so okay. fucking so stupid. stupid. 
Yeah, let me write this letter from my detention center to, and see if anybody reads it or opens it before they deliver it to mm-hmm. you. Even yeah. Trial. Very smooth brain boys. Smooth brain. Yes. No wiggles. No squiggles. None at all. No squiggles. I, I love it when they're this stupid. I mean, it is a open and shut case and it makes the job a lot easier. It makes our taxpayer dollars go a lot further because they're not having to work mm. as hard to put all this together. More. They're like, yeah. they're putting themselves in jail at this point, but and it makes for some comedic relief moments, but Lord. If he came in with the smirk on his face, there has to be a, a sense of pride. Like yeah. you said, this, uh, mm-hmm. like maybe I, I'm not, I'm purposely not hiding things because I want people to know what I do. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm, if that's just a different perspective. Maybe they're just as stupid as we think they are, but coming in happy about the work that he's accomplished, then it's very possible that, 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 that he wanted to get caught in some way. Yeah. Like pin it all, pin it all on me. I'm okay with pinning it all on me. Uh, yeah, you're a good kid, but I'm leaving all these these pieces of evidence out. I'm obviously not. Maybe he's smarter in that sense. He wanted people to know there's joy in getting caught. There's joy yeah. seeing your face all over the media as a killer sometimes. Yeah, easily. We've talked we've talked a lot about different killers who literally relished in the media frenzy of their killings. Like the, one of the most popular ones, BTK. I don't know if you know anything about that case, but um, it was back in the 70s and 80s. But he would literally communicate anonymously with the cops and the media about his crimes and take ownership of it. Like he finally started doing that because somebody else took ownership of, of his mass murder of, of a family. And he was like, oh, hell no, I want the recognition and like he named himself and everything so like that is um, very common and easily could be you know, he relished in the attention he was getting from the murders the murder I mean we're looking at even currently people do that nowadays I'm proud to have gone on January 6th I'm proud oh my to god yes the amount of pride that people you know I, yeah, I'm gonna get in trouble but I did this because it was for the right thing or whatever whatever the intention is and people want to be seen and known that they represented something it's, you know. Yeah, I actually know somebody that was there on January 6th. Shut up, oh. you do not. I do, yeah. I it everything. Was, uh, <laughs> it was my um, elementary crush, like one of my like no. younger ones. Like, oh, yeah. I wanted to marry this boy so bad. Yeah. And before January 6th, they asked to be my friend on Facebook. This was like like a maybe a year before this. Mm-hmm. And I was like looking at their profile and I started laughing because I definitely had one of those whew, dodged a bullet type moments. And then literally January 6th, I saw them make a post about being there. I don't think that they went to the Capitol or anything, uh, but it wouldn't shock me if they did. But, you know, I grew up in the South, so, you know, <laughs> not shocking. Thank you. I hate it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I literally hate it. I do it. Well, mm-hmm. just to like add on to this letter too, he called Matthew a fag in the letter. <gasps> no, he didn't. So that's gross. Very. Also, he wrote another letter. So he's really, he's a writer. McKinney, I see you. He wrote to another inmate's wife? <laughs> Question mark? What? <laughs> Question marks? <laughs> I also have no idea like what was happening there. Um, yeah. But he said, being a a very sick, <laughs> drunk, homophobic something, I, I can't read what he said. I flipped out and began to pistol whip the fag with my gun ready at hand. 
This is what he said to McKinney, or is this what he said to his... This is what he wrote to that inmate's wife. The inmate's wife. What? I, again, up to show off pride? Right. I yeah. think that he was, he was trying to just like... I don't know if it's this whole like, oh, I'm, I'm a man's man, and like... Look what, uh, see what I did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that's what it kind of strikes me as. Toxic masculinity at its finest. Yeah. yeah. Trying to prove myself to her. I don't know. Maybe. I see, I don't know if it was romantic. That I still have questions on that. I'm like, who is she? What is happening? I know. That's, um wow. I but else. both of the letters <laughs> pretty much said like he had every intention of killing him. That I think they thought he was dead when they left. So I'm sure. Henderson pled guilty and the death penalty was taken off the table. And he is still serving life in prison without the possibility of parole. McKinney uh, also pled guilty and was sentenced to two life terms. So his was even longer because he was the one that claimed that he did the pistol whipping um, and seemed to be the, like, mastermind behind this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but law enforcement that was involved, they just kind of summed it up by saying, like, they were just fucked up kids. You know, like, they were were kind of young and... They were on mess, and they lived in cowboy country, and they hated gays. Like, um, there was no grand, like, mission here besides eliminate yeah. a gay person. Yeah. Like, no greater cause at hand. This person hadn't offended them personally, like, done something against them. They it just did. Exactly. Do he, he existed. Yeah, he, he was existed. punished for existing around people mm-hmm. that did not want him to exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was yes. it. So that's it for them. Locked away. So if you want to write them a letter. Mm. No. Apparently their letter uh, forward. No. No. No, don't do that. Ew. Or make a donation in their name to a homo or like a homosexual forward cause, you know? Yes. Let's do that. Okay. So uh, Matthew's mother. And father. They, obviously, they were there for, you know, the, the trials and everything. Um, before the sentencing trial, Matthew's mother entered the courtroom and said, let the hate stop here. Um, let's mm. just stop pursuing the death penalty. Um, oh, wow. But his father wanted them to die. <laughs> he wanted them to fry. Like, he flat out said, if I could have fried them both myself, I would have. I don't blame him and I don't blame her. Like, I see both of their their points and I see both of, like, they're grieving in very different ways, but their grief is still very valid and their process is still very valid for both of them. Yeah. This was a side note that I learned a little bit later on and I didn't really know where to put it, but I just wanted to insert it here. So um, Judy, his mom, actually said that Matthew was, like, very soon, like prior to his death, he was putting his life back together because he had actually taken a, a high school trip to Morocco, like a senior trip, and he was gang raped by locals while on that trip. I, I thought I knew about that. I don't know like the specifics behind it if he was targeted for being gay, like also there, but he was, I mean, with any type of sexual assault, that kills a certain part of you. And as a queer person, you don't want to report it. You don't want to talk about it because it can be so easily spun that like, it's even, I feel like it's worse for a queer person than a woman. Mm -hmm. 
in a lot mm-hmm. of ways where it's like you asked for it because you're gay. You yeah. like that. You like kinky stuff automatically because you're queer, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was in a foreign country True. at the time. True. Yeah. yeah. So there's like that whole aspect. Mm-hmm. From what I remember, and like this is from a while back when I read about it, but it was. She talked about night. it in the book a little bit. Okay. But I didn't read okay. the book. Yeah. We will um, link I think that book was, also. Yeah. Um, I think he was walking at night. Um, and he just like, they came up behind him and I think threw him into some bushes and then gang raped him. And I think it affected him greatly for many years. And if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, he came, he was starting to like really come out of his shell and come out of that trauma. Did I, am I jumping the gun? No, I was just about to go into that. Like his mom said that she felt like he was finally being himself again. Like he wasn't isolating and this is why it's so, like, frustrating because he was finally, like, brave and willing enough to go out that night and, like, have fun with his friends and meet new people and, like, try to relearn that the world is safe for him to, like, exist. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. No. Like, that's the greatest tragedy of this whole thing is, like, he was finally on the journey for healing. Yes. Yeah. Finally getting it back. And for what? For what? Yeah. So October 12th, 1998, Matthew is still alive. So six days later, he's, oh, wow. he's hung on for a bit. But his blood Damn. pressure was out of control. Um, and he had a fever that had spiked pretty high. And his family chose to remove his ventilator once all of his friends and family were present in the room and they were able to say what they needed to say to him and, you know, hug him and hold his hand and everything. So he passed very shortly after the ventilator was removed and he was cremated and his parents took those home with them. Oh. Yeah. So sad. So the college that he was attending... Why do I not have its name in here? Uh, (laughs) Why don't I have its name in here? But the college he was attending um, actually honored his memory with a bench um, that stated, or still states, Matthew Wayne Shepard, December 1st, 1976 to October 12th, 1998. Beloved son, brother, and friend, he continues to make a difference. Peace be with him and all who sit here. Mm. How lovely is that? That is lovely. Is that the University of Wyoming? Yes. Now that I, yes, yes, I, was say, I think that sounds right. That's what I thought oh, it was, goodness. and I was like, I feel like it's wrong. I'm gonna have to Google it real quick. But yes. <laughs> um. So, wonderful honor. Um, October sixteenth of nineteen ninety eight was the uh funeral. And Casper City Council in Wyoming had banned pro- protesters like a couple of days prior. They're like, you guys can't show up to this. We've had a spectacle. We oh, don't gosh. need anything more. Like, this is too much yeah. for like the community, yeah. the family. We can't do it. So, and they were hoping to prevent another spectacle. But guess what? Guess who fucking showed up at the funeral? I know who you're going to say. Take a guess, please. I know who the fuck you're going to say, and I hate them with a passion. It's Westboro Baptist Church. I I have done the biggest of deep dives on that fucking church, and we will talk about them because I will cycle that back into actually doing a case over, and I have it on my list that we're going to cover very shortly. Oh, my God. Jessica, what are your thoughts on the Westboro Baptist Church? 
I have no positive thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> they said, don't. Don't go there. Okay. Don't take Protest, it further. Drinking and they're relentless. They are to, uh, yeah. awful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they actually... Well, all protesters, I just don't know, understand why I'm like, this is the time you could be doing something significantly different to, mm-hmm. to benefit the things that you believe or you believe in your community and instead you're so focused on this one element that really isn't changing or, or resolving anything. It's like, you're, you're, I'm still gonna, this is still going to happen, you're still going to be pissed, but you're just pissed in front of me and we're still doing this in front of you. But <laughs> mm-hmm. you're, you're still well, pissed in front of me, we're still doing this. Yeah. <laughs> This is still going to happen. It's true. Yeah. We're just home. Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh. So valid. Hey. So good. That that scripture. And, what you just said. That is yeah. scripture. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And and I don't call them like the Westboro Baptist Church. They are a cult. And when I go over that case, you're going to see that it is an actual cult. Like I'm super excited to hear about it. So many. I hear their name all the time. I'm ready for a deep dive on it, for sure. Oh, they are. Mm. And, and I even know somebody, uh, parasocially know somebody. We don't, we're not mutuals or anything. I know so many people. I actually knew places. them. They got out of, they got out of the Westboro Baptist Church and I followed them. Okay. They now are like, they were super, they became a nurse. They were into fitness and like CrossFit and they like make a whole bunch of money. And then now they have like an OnlyFans and like they are full on living their life. I love following her. I love that. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, That's we'll great. talk about it more when I go on that case, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, for I sure. hate them. Oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I couldn't think of a better yep. word. Um, they showed up and they had signs that read, I'm not even joking. Matt in hell, God hates fags. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. What? And oh. Straight, straight up. As, yeah. We just, we won't even mm-hmm. give them any more credit. But his parents had to wear bulletproof vest at his funeral. <gasps> Oh my God. I know. Just imagine like you're already, like you're in a dark headspace and then someone walks up to you before you go in because you're like, you just want to take a seat. You just want to like take a breath. Um, yeah. And because you've probably been talking to like a bunch of people that are like, I'm so sorry. I'm so, and it's like, yeah, I'm numb to this. Sorry doesn't do anything for me. Like a week, almost in a week, they're in a, a whole other country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got back, hounded immediately, found this out about his son, holds on for a couple of days. It's just like a week of relentless. Plus, mm-hmm. they've got investigators up their asses too, trying to get info on yeah. Matthew too, probably. I mean, I'm assuming. Yeah. But if hell exists, hell is th- that week to 10 days that those parents had to walk through. That That is hell. That yeah. is true hell that mm-hmm. they had to walk through that. I don't know if you have this in your notes, but I think I had heard something about people actually like making comments and even calling the shepherd house and telling them like God, you know, God killed your son. Yeah. Like this was God's plan. They were completely like bombarded, berated for months, like months after his death. They didn't have a second to just like grieve. Grieve. And be alone. Change the numbers, something like that. But that's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. If your religion is sending you down that path to where you're making a phone call to a grieving mother over her dead son and saying that God killed her son, no, yeah, that is not that is not God. That is not any God that deserves to be worshipped. Yeah, your God is a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, really? Yeah. So, okay. Now oh. we're, we're transitioning to a happier space though. Okay. Okay. You know, let's go. All of this being said, Matt's parents, after the funeral and everything, they began working really hard trying to gain traction for, you know, the queer community advocating for anybody that's in the LGBTQIA plus uh, world uh, to be safe, just being themselves. In 2009, they actually met President Obama. (laughs) So jealous. So fucking jealous right now. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What a flex. So good. What a flex. I know. For sure. Um, And that same year, uh, signed into federal law, was the Matthew Shepard and James Burry Jr. Hate Crime Prevention Act. Yes. Amen. I mean, he goes down in history. Not not just because of his wounds, but like he was able to make a difference. You know, his whole thing, his whole life was, I just want to leave the world a better place. He did. Mm-hmm. He did. He wanted to get into positions where he could make a change. And unfortunately, this is the way that it did, but he's lasted such a legacy in the positive realms of mm-hmm. awareness, wisdom, and philanthropy. And mm-hmm. making his story not, again, about mm-hmm. his wounds, his physical yeah. wounds. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And kudos to his parents for being able to emotionally put themselves through that. Like they have all the right in the world to sit in that grief and just live the rest of their life out. But they... They didn't have to do jack shit after this. Yeah. But they chose... They knew what their son wanted to do in this world. And they knew that with him being gone, the only way that that was going to happen was by them pushing it forward. And they did that. And they got the law passed and they are they they are in history books now. Or they at least should be in history books. So they will be I will join the history book writers board of directors and make it happen. I swear. Yeah. Um oh but his parents weren't done yet. So they also started a foundation in his name to raise awareness and understanding for the LGBTQIA plus community. Um to I love it. You know create more understanding for the community, embrace diversity, and be able to just be safe. So yeah. uh, we're going to link that website if you want to donate to it. If you just want to check it yes. out, Matt's story is on there. Um, pictures of him and like his uh, memorial stuff is on there. So check it out. Absolutely. Love it. I mean, Matt's story, it lives on in a vibrant way. The way that he treated others and the way that others are now being treated in his name. Mm-hmm. Transcendent. That's God. Mm-hmm. That's the gospel. If that's all yes. you get from this, th- that's the Hallelujah. gospel. Um, there's a documentary by FilmRise True Crime that features Matt's story. And I got a lot of info from them. They interview a lot of like close friends of Matthew's Aww. and like um, detectives that were on the case and everything. And his parents are featured on there. Uh, they speak very candidly about the situation, uh, especially yeah. his dad. His dad is such a vibe. Like, yeah, <laughs> I love I'll him. Have to go watch it just to see his dad. <laughs> yeah. So they they talk about his story. One of his friends that's on there was part of the LGBTQ um, A. Yes, that, yeah, yeah, that association that he was part of. So that's really cool. So fast forward. Do you know if they interviewed the person that dropped him off at the bar? No. And I don't have her name. And like, I don't, I don't know what happened. Living with that as well. Uh, Yeah. I'm curious in this deeper dive if if she's mentioned or if they 
had an interview with her and her experience in, in his last moments of like what that was like driving him to the bar. Yeah. I hope she's okay. I hope she's okay too. It's not your fault, honey. It's not. Absolutely not. Not at all. And But I can, I, it's human nature to, to put that on ourselves and carry that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have her name and I don't know whatever happened to her. I'm sure she was questioned by police and everything. Um, yeah. But she's not featured on the documentary. So in 2018, Matthew's remains were entrusted to Washington National Cathedral. Wow. Resting, Shut up. resting beside former President Woodrow Wilson and Helen Keller. Shut what? your goddamn face. Helen Keller and who? Uh, uh, former President Woodrow Wilson. Wow, that's so cool. That's I know. Ama- I did not know that. That is amazing. Like his little plaque is like adjacent from Helen Keller's. They face each other. So cool. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, so they had a memorial service there um, in 2018. And about 4,000 people showed up. Like I every seat that. in the house filled. People are standing. <sighs> oh. And the person that spoke at this memorial was Right Reverend Marianne Edgar Buddy, who is the first openly gay bishop in the Episcopal Church. Oh, hey. And bishops have to be elected, so they put him in that position. Nice. Yeah. Love it. So um, he said at the memorial, for Matthew to come back to church is a remarkable step forward. Many of you have been hurt by your own religious communities, and I want to welcome you back. Oh, that's so sweet. Very nice sentiment. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I want to welcome you back. Like, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> now oh, I'm going to start going to church again. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the beginning, I said he loved church and he really did. It was just his parents didn't want to give over like his ashes or like have anything besides that other funeral because they were afraid that like the crypt would be like, abused or tampered with or that people were going to start protesting again. Like it was just too much for them. But finally they felt like it was safe Mm -hmm. again for them. So um, he's now in that crypt. So, and uh, they visit on his birthday, December 1st, every year to, you know, pay tribute, visit with their boy, talk to him. Was he only child? No, he had two other siblings. Yeah. I have no info on them. Yeah. I think that's, that's on okay. purpose. I don't think that his parents wanted anyone else like in their family in the yeah, public eye. Absolutely. Yeah. I can understand that. Because I don't know if they are uh, also maybe queer. Also, like they have the best like two truths and a lie. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I did so-and-so. I did such. My, bro- my brother's Matthew Shepard. <laughs> you know? Ah, yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> They'd win every time. Yes. Okay, so at the cathedral, there is also a dedicated portrait of Matthew. Aww. So it was created by Kelly Lattimore. And it's a portrait of Matthew. He's got a hand, one hand on his heart, and the other hand is extended like he's welcoming you. And so beautiful. And the portrait is surrounded by like, he's surrounded by a rainbow, but the rainbow is like made up of letters that were sent to his family, like condolence letters or like inspiration letters um, about his passing. This is what you sent me earlier. Yeah. The picture you sent me earlier. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. And And that's on the organization's website too. 
Okay. So, and we'll also post it over on our Instagram. Yeah. So at another chapel, St. Joseph's Chapel, in 2019, so the year after, Matthew's family was gifted a bronze plaque in his memory and also a collection of his personal things um, donated by his family have gone to display at the Smithsonian's Institution National Museum of American History in the U.S. Capitol. Wow. So his schoolwork, oh. some theater scripts, photos, and I think some of his favorite sandals are part of the exhibit. Incredible. Oh my God, I want to go. Uh, we're going. Yeah. We're That's going. So, we're going. You can't we stop going. Us. Yeah. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. He really is. He's in history. He's made history. He's made change in the in the worst way. I, I would rather have him here. I think everyone would rather have him here, but. Yeah. And this was Ugh. the whole spark of the Laramie Project, which grapples with, you know, the ambiguous ethics of situations in which like religious doctrine kind of inspires or justifies crime uh-huh. or immoral acts and behavior. So, yeah. um, but that's, that's the case. It took me a while yeah. to get through it, but. Um, that was really oh. good. You did so good. That was very detailed. Like Very detailed of things that I didn't even know. Yeah. So, it was, yeah. it was fascinating and horrifying, but I'm, I leave it being inspired though. Like, yeah. I'm exactly. still sorrowful for that loss, even even with it being so long ago. It still makes an impact now. But like, I I walk away from it and it's like he made a difference in like every way, and in so many places he has something that like he's recognized on commemorates you know? him. Yeah, and Ugh. yeah. So he had a short life, twenty one years old, such a baby, twenty one. Oh my but like, gosh. I, that was all the time that that he needed to to do the job, and he, well, yeah, you know, yeah. Most of us can't say oh. that. Mm-mm. No, oh my so, gosh! Rest in peace and power, and um, a to the man. Oh. We we love him. We love him. I I have an idea. How about we use our questions for Jessica as our palate cleanser um, every week <laughs> <laughs> because these topics are so fucking heavy. Every week we're like palate cleanser, and they're like super fucking random every week. And sometimes it's like I worked in my garden and this happened, you know, something stupid. Um, and then some of them are really good and really funny. But like, let's use Jessica as our palate cleanser. Don't say let's um, use. That's weird. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> Okay. So I want to ask you what, I think I know the answer, but I still want to ask you, um, what was, what made you decide to start this Ask a Drag Queen a Question series that you do? Yeah. So I did the first one. I went down to Union Station. Um, me and my, I have a, a marketing, social media marketing team that we meet every week. And when we have gotten through our projects for, you know, the, the stint, the series that we're doing, we usually have a big brainstorming high session. We get really stoned and we, <laughs> and we just, and nothing's off the table. Like this could be fun. This could be a good idea. And I'm really love the TikTok series of people being like, not only the games, but like the, I want to give back. So like, here's a little act of kindness kind of thing. Yes. Uh, and uh, so we wanted to do just one take at it. We wanted to go out. Uh, I was going to give people money and uh, hope that they came and t- talked to me. It was kind of cool because usually drag artists are the ones getting tipped. So I get to tip them. Uh, and 
anybody that came up for money got money. It didn't matter. I took off, which was really cool. The series took off and we're like, I guess we should do more of these. Uh, so doing them weekly and the nice thing is that they're little clips. You never know what questions you're going to get. We changed some of the rules to uh, if I, I have to have never been asked it again to get the dollar because people were getting really stupid with like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite animal? Uh, do you like your left shoe or right shoe better? It's just... Oh my gosh. I made it where I decided and we've gone to... A brewery. I just went to a the Denver University to do one, and I show up however I do, and it's it's taken off. It's been great. It's been really cool. I love it. Have you ever had moments where it's gotten scary, or you've had some hate or anything like that? Um, not directly towards okay. me on the camera. Uh, That's good. We had an incident that was of somebody probably twenty feet away that was screaming and very unhappy. Um, not only my existence, but also like the people that work there's existence. So I think it wasn't just targeted at me. It was just universal. Like you're out here and I don't like that you're people that exist in general. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about being gay or a drag queen, but security was there. And then I had one person that asked a question. And I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation with somebody where immediately like your heart drops and you're like, this seems like a really unsafe Mm-hmm. situation like I, you're saying something in your tone, your body language makes me feel like something's about to happen. Yeah. And thankfully it did not be, the question ended up being intense and the question was about asking about providing housing for homeless individuals and how to better find affordable housing or like how to, how to make it more knowledgeable for people with tons of money to give back to communities and with people with money. And, but the initial part of the conversation was very uneasy. Oh but that, gosh. It didn't turn out bad. Everything else has been pretty kind and enjoyable. Some people you get some twerp that asks a stupid question like, I'm in love with my 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 man friend, but he's got a girlfriend. What do I do? Uh, oh my God. It's like a find, ask find someone uh, else. Ask someone um, blog. Yeah, you know? they, don't, they don't like my answer. So my answer is well that if you like your man friend and he has a girlfriend, we'll go suck his dick and see how that works out. <laughs> Well, you're not meant to be together, uh, and if he doesn't want it, then obviously he's not into you like that. If that's your oh, oh my god! god. It's that's that so like good. it's like they're asking the question to 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 shock you to you know get a rise or something, something. and yeah. then you turn or, around and just like jab it right back. At oh very much god. say something like, "Oh, that's not it, it, exactly what I thought you were going to say." Yeah, so, yeah. It's cool. Um, giving out. A lot of dollars to people that hopefully pay it forward and yeah, great. If people refuse to take the money, I make them take the money. It's like the morality of the game. Like you will. <laughs> I have seen that dollar. Yeah. Um how how long does it take you to do your makeup? Um, I time myself every single time. Yeah, that I love that. I try to play, like beat the clock or if I'm running late to something or just in general want to know. So like today's face took me 56 minutes to do. I was done in 56 minutes. 56 minutes, that's it? Yeah. It took me 56 minutes to do my eyeshadow for Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah. Listen, dark um, eyeshadow is hard to do, though, really okay? Is. Yeah. Yeah, it ranges from 27 to, to two to three hours, depending on like what kind of makeup or things I'm doing. But yeah, today was 56. And wigs. It. Wigs are a no, whole different hold on. game. I want to ask the question about the wigs. You don't okay, yeah. ask another question. No, no, no. I wasn't going to ask a question. I was just saying the wigs. So, so Lola, Lola's a, Lola's a hairstylist. Okay. I don't so. look like it. I don't look like it right now. 
I was going to ask, what is your favorite like wig brand? Or like, do you have a favorite of any of the wigs? I don't have a favorite wig brand. I cool. am very much a find what I need kind of girl. I have yeah. things from to blended to synthetic to styled and pussycat wigs as we call them, little bus driver wigs. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a favorite. What's a pussycat wig? Um, it's you know like, what it is. Let me, I got a wig right here. I'll show okay, you. Yes. Okay. The hair, her show hair. and tell. I know. We'll take a screenshot so you guys can see her outfit today and everything that she's wearing. It's got the it's got the boof factor. The the, um, yeah, everything's bigger in Texas type hair. Short wig. It's like oh, okay, yeah. You can shake it, go, slap it on. Yes. So just a little bus driver wig. Oh, bus driver wig. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Oh my gosh, I love it. Do you have another question for her, Lilla? I have so many questions, but I don't think another one. Um, what do you what do you say to the people that <laughs> that don't want drag queens reading to children? Mm, Lola went. Um, I deep. unfortunately don't get like a lot of personal one on one conversations about that. I would love to. So if you're listening and you think that I don't deserve to talk to children, listen the fuck or, up. <laughs> we have to we have to think about uh, representation uh-huh. uh, when I was growing up. I did not see queer people. Queer people did not exist. And so if I had teachers that were a little bit more open and doctors and people think that if I were to read out of this costume, would that change? What what about it upsets you? Is it that I'm a queer person? Is it that I'm dressed up really fancy? Do you believe I'm showing too much skin? I really do listen to the other side of like what is bothering people. Is it content? Is it is it because you don't know how to explain this to your kid? And it's really nothing more to explain than taking them to theater or taking them to see a movie. Disney World and... Disney World. You're going to find drag everywhere, even if you don't see it. You know, sports are considered drag. You're getting into a costume. Mm-hmm. You have a that you that you do to make sure that you're ready to do your art and to perform. Your kids come. You might not hear the language that's appropriate, but if we break it down to just reading to kids, what is wrong with me reading a book it is mm-hmm. not going to make your child gay. Your child's going to be gay regardless of if I'm here and they're destined yes. or they're meant to be queer in some kind. Mm-hmm. You can try to control that and whether they resent you for it, whether they hate themselves for being queer is really up to how you support them or not. Mm-hmm. Me reading a book to your kid is probably not going to remember anything more than, wow, what a pretty princess wearing blue. Exactly. They don't care about words. Most of them interrupt me anyway during the reading and tell me some fact about their cat that doesn't make any sense. And just Absolutely like, welcome to childhood, like a, a thousand percent. It's not that serious. If you make your child scared to be around someone like me, you're essentially saying that this is not okay. And that's a different conversation that we need to have. Okay, if you this is not okay for your child, why is this not okay for your child? What conversation are you worried about? Find out about us anyway. Yeah, and, and, and I think I think a big portion portion of it is like they're afraid to have uncomfortable conversations, and they don't know how to answer some of these conversations, and so they'd rather just like hate it. Um, not that that's all of it, but I feel like that probably plays a part in some people is they don't know how to answer it because it was not a question that was answered to them. It was not a question that was allowed to be asked for them when they were growing up. And they're just perpetuating the way they were raised. 
in how they're raising their children. My daughter today asked me when we were getting ready for school, she goes, mom, why was the little mermaid in the one that was how you grew up? Why was she, why does she have skin color like mine? But then the little mermaid in the new one, she has darker skin color. And we told her like, that's who they chose to play that part. And she did a wonderful job. And then we got into like race and equality and representation and how having Ariel be black, how much it meant to other black children. And I asked her like, how would you feel if all of the princesses and all the shows that you watched didn't look like you? And she's like, her first comment was, well, I wouldn't care. And I was like, well, you wouldn't care because you don't know what that feels like. But if you continued, if you if you did have to sit in that, it would be uncomfortable. And all of these other girls got to see her and have this big reaction of like, the princess looks like me. Finally, a princess looks like me. And we all bawled. I still bawl if, that, if I ever see one of those videos. It's the cutest freaking reaction. But it's that representation that matters. And it's my daughter doesn't understand it because she doesn't live in a household or with family that treats, you know, a person of color to a person who is white any differently. And she has friends at school. Some of her best friends are people of color. And that is just so normalized to her. And she's so young that she doesn't understand how much race has been an issue in our history. And she is starting to learn it as she's she's in fourth grade. So that stuff is being brought up and she understands. And she heard a video that I was watching about something about, it was like somebody said that black people wanted to be slaves. And she was like, that's a lie. And she like heard yes. it in the room. And so I was like, see, like, <laughs> that, like they, they know, you know, they know. So yeah. And so like, just like encompassing, Representation matters because it makes children feel seen. And just like Joe Schmo didn't choose to be straight, our kids aren't choosing to be gay or isn't choosing to be trans or queer or whatever it may be. They would, they would, if they could choose, they would choose straight because that's what society is norm is is predominantly, and that's what's accepted. And it would make life a whole lot fucking easier, Linda. If your kid comes to you and says, hey, I really didn't like drag story time, then you listen to them and say, okay, well, we don't have to go back. That's not a big deal. Maybe that's not for you. Or you have your kids to say, wow, I really loved it. I had so much fun coming to this. Then you know that they, it's, it's all, let them just make the decision. They don't yes. tell them it's bad. Don't tell them it's good. You know, there are things that they have to make their own opinions on just as much as you did. And, if they're not interested, I'm not going to force my kids to go to something they don't want to go to. Right. Just I'm going to restrict them from something that isn't that scary. And it might seem different to them or they might like it. Yeah, exactly. I mm, I, I have a, a kid at our school that my friend or my daughter is, is in class with my daughter and um, they are, they're so young. So they, you know, of course they're figuring it out, but they... They're just them. That's what they feel like. They don't have like a certain identity or whatever. But like when uh, pride happens, like they get all dressed up and that my daughter saw them in a dress for the first time at pride and they came up to her and everything. And her, she turned around after they left and she's like, where did they get their shoes? I need those <laughs> shoes. Like that's what she was focused on. And then they go to school and they don't really talk about it at school because it is a, you know, 
what is the word? Not coping mechanism, but like self-preservation, you know, like trying to not make other people uncomfortable around them. So they have to not hide themselves, but they tamp it down a lot at school for safety. And I hate that. Like, I wish that our world was so free that our kids could be kids. But it's getting that way. The more we keep having these conversations, the better it's going to get. We just have Mm -hmm. to keep having these conversations, you know? Yeah. I think. And like, like I said last week, we talked about our last guest, we talked about race and racism and stuff. And I said, I feel like with this younger generation, things are really going to change more and more. Because I feel like this younger generation is like, I don't give a shit and I'm not going to let this shit fly. That's why people are so worried about what Mm -hmm. this next generation is doing. They're, you know, trying to restrict it now to the best of their ability because new ideas and policies are coming. Yeah. And and they're scared. The Republican person, uh, uh, he ran against Obama. What's his name? Uh, Trump? What? No. No, 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 no. 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 What is his name? Oh, my God. I can't think of his name. Mitt Romney? Mitt Romney. Was it Mitt Romney? He came forward and pretty much said that it's time for himself and many other people to allow people of a younger, new generation to create what they want to see the world to look like. Because oh, I remember not seeing that. And I thought that was a really cool statement. You know, I'm not yeah. anti-Republican, I'm anti-MAGA Trump, but I'm also yeah. anti-making and pushing your beliefs that in, in negatively impact people. And hearing that from a Republican, very prominent, and was very simply just saying, I think it's time for people to start making what they want to see the world look like, because we're all going to be dead by the time we make policy fit for them. We're holding on to shit and people won't let go. Nobody else has that mentality. It's time. If the FBI can force you into retirement, because in FBI, you don't retire, you are forced into retirement. You hit a certain age, I think it's like 52 in in FBI, you're out. You're out. They want the young blood. Like that should, that's how it should be with our politics. I'm sorry. I don't want your crusty ass you don't need to be here for 50 to 60 years no. when you have the same mindset that you do 60 years ago. Exactly. And plus, you've done your time. Get the fuck out and go drink a Mai Tai by the breach, okay? Enjoy Let your- us young'uns get into office. This is just ridiculous at this point. I think that we are of the belief that we've got the perfect co- equation uh, with the whitewashed nation, and we've got to keep it like this. And oh, yeah. anybody that gets in the way, we've got to kill them or we've got to kill their spirit you know, uh, their creativity, their drive. And they try really hard with public school, firstly. (laughs) But yeah, and then none of them will die that's in office. I swear, what are you drinking? Like, it's like, come on, guys. Enjoy your lives. Go on. Um, Who was it? Like One of the Republicans was like um, trying to change the voting age from like 18 to 21. Oh, yeah. And I was like, motherfucker. You can I, I can go fight your war and get shot for you, but I can't vote for you. Uh, oh, no, important right now. This is really the important one. This is the one that you're going to focus on. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love to hear that. Yeah. Uh, um, well, Jessica, tell everybody. Do you have a question, Lola? I, I was just going to say, Jessica, we've we've taken a good portion of your time, but is there anything else like while we, you have this platform? Is there anything that you'd like to say, maybe to someone that's not out yet, maybe to the community already that's out, whatever you want to say, it's your time, you know? Oh my goodness, that's such an important <laughs> statement. Um, if I can say anything, um, 
I say this at all my shows is that I just want to remind people just how easy it is to be just slightly kinder to each other and telling people that you love them and care about them. I've seen in this case and in many cases, you never know how much time people have. So hold them tight and tell them that you care. If you're sitting there and you're unsure about what drag looks like and because it confuses you or makes you nervous, I encourage you to try it just like I encourage everyone to try sales. doesn't matter what you look like or how you are identify or your background or your size. Uh, drag brings out the best in everyone and RuPaul says it best, you know, you're born naked, the rest is drag. You're in drag right now, you're in drag. Everything is a persona and a characterization that you created to find your authentic self and drag is just a little bit more expressive for some folks. So give it a try, you know, know what you can find from it. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love love that. that. Thank you so much, Jessica. Yes, thank you. So, so, so much for coming on the show. I'm sure we'll have you back on because, you know. If you'll, if you'll come back after dealing with our. Religion, um, the LGBTQIA community and crime, they just collide a lot. And so I'm sure we will love to have you back on the show, but we will also be putting all of your, um, like your website, all of your, you know, Instagram and um, any other social media handles and things like that. We'll link it all below. Or you have a link tree. And so we'll link that so you guys can have it all in one place to go and see Jessica. Um, we, do you perform mostly in the Col- Denver? Is it Denver, Colorado area? I'm over Colorado. And then I do some traveling every now and again. Okay. There will be a mini tour in 2024. So yeah, But she, oh, fun. And she does <laughs> uh, have a schedule on your website. So you can keep, keep track of um, all of their performances and everything. So, oh my gosh, I'm so glad. Again, thank you so much for, you. for coming on. We really enjoyed it. But you're amazing. Yeah, that was the case. Please keep creating content. <laughs> yes, please, please, please. <laughs> But yeah, I hope you guys um, enjoyed having Jessica on and listening and to us share the story. Um, again, we'll link everything below in the show notes for for all of you. But have a good week. Drink some water. Don't be a dick. Uh, don't don't join a cult. Don't do that. Okay. And be kind to each other. Just be a little kinder, like Jessica said. <laughs> yes. All right. Bye. We love you. Also, heathens, if you're enjoying the show so far, please give us a rating, a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. And whoever left that one-star review. I know I've said this for a few weeks, but like, I'm hot in your dreams, bitch. I'm just kidding. Deadly Faith is brought to you by Choircast. It is produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Howe. Thanks for listening.